It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The coronavirus has now claimed over 100,000 lives in the UK. The economic side effects mean millions of small business owners in Britain have lost their livelihoods. Some people have worked for years and years building up their companies and they're just having to let them go. That's Lowry. She runs a small events business and is one of an estimated three million people in the UK who have fallen through the cracks of government support. What we can't deal with is sitting at home, not being able to put the heating on, not being able to feed your family, all because the government haven't supported us since March. Aside from state benefits, she's had no income for nearly a year. When I say I have no money, you know, I might be down to like a pound or nil in my bank account. And that's it. It stops. There's nothing else. Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times dedicated to tackling real life financial issues. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's consumer editor. Plenty of small business owners like Lowry are in an increasingly desperate financial situation as they battle to survive the fallout from COVID. We'll be looking at sources of advice and support and the latest on the growing political campaign for directors to be included, not excluded, from government grants. Working in the live music business had always been Lowry's dream. But rather than be on the stage, she's the one behind the scenes at festivals and huge concerts. I love music. I love organising. I love putting things together. I've always liked technology and playing with lights and sound and cables. Um, I was one of those ones that was always laughing at two o'clock in the morning, winding up huge, big, muddy cables because I used to actually enjoy it. You're getting paid to do a job you love. covid has killed off the live music industry. On the day I spoke to Lowry, it was announced that the Glastonbury Festival had been cancelled. Having struggled through the past 10 months, Lowry doesn't know how much longer she can keep going. They haven't forced us to close. Technically they have, because we can't have events. We can't have hospitality open. We can't have weddings. And this is what we're all missing at the moment. The whole industry is shut with no start date. And we're all really, really struggling with it because... We all want to get back to work. Lowry is currently battling to save her business in the pandemic, and we'll come back to that later. But this isn't the first time she's faced insolvency. Three years ago, the end of her marriage spelled the end for her former events company. 
I'd actually had an audiovisual company for 12 years with an ex-partner, which all went horribly wrong. We'd grown it from nothing, a few boxes in the garage to warehouse fans, staff. We weren't rich by any means, but we lived. I was left then to liquidate the company that we had had for 12 years. And on the January then, all the creditors started coming after me. And how much debt were you left with? So in, in total, with everything, it was 140000 Desperate to keep her business going, Lowry tried to buy time by speaking to all of her creditors, people that the business owed money to. From day one, when things went wrong, I got in touch with them all and I said, look, this is what's going on. You know, you can call creditors to a point each and every day and say, there's nothing coming in, I can't pay you. But all it takes is one of those to go, I'm going to push you into bankruptcy and then you have to shut your company down. Some creditors were prepared to negotiate, but others were hostile. I mean, there are others there, I won't name for obvious reasons, but were absolutely going for the jugular straight away. They wanted their money and they didn't matter what, it didn't matter that you had a child, it didn't matter that you had a home. They would have gone down any route whatsoever to actually get their money back. And sometimes it wasn't even big amounts. But worse was to come. Lowry didn't realise, but some of the loans that the business had taken out were backed with personal guarantees, meaning she was at risk of losing her family home as well as the business. And the worst thing about it is one of the creditors went for a possession order on my home. And all all I could think of was at the time, you know, they're going to take our home. I had to go and stand up in court with my mental health on the floor. So had the judge not been on my side that day, they would have taken my house there and then. Lowry managed to avoid bankruptcy just by engaging an insolvency practitioner. They're the ones that sat me down and they said it's going to be incredibly hard. The day you sign that paper, it all goes. That's it. Ultimately, Lowry had to borrow money from her parents to stay afloat. But having survived all of this, she set up a new events business three years ago. And then Covid hit. This piled the pressure on company directors like Lowry. I meant no more income. So I had nothing then going forward. Lowry didn't qualify for the furlough scheme, where those who cannot work get a grant worth 80% of their pay. When the UK government announced grants for the self-employed, Lowry was distraught to find she didn't qualify for those either. So why aren't you eligible for the self-employed income support scheme? Because I'm a limited company director. Setting up your own limited company is the standard accounting structure for millions of small firms. However, government grants are only being provided for employees or the self-employed. And technically, as a director, Lowry is neither. To top it off, Lowry is a single parent and the pressures of homeschooling her daughter make it difficult for her to find alternative work. She's living on welfare payments of £650 per month. I don't manage each month. I just watch things getting bounced left, right and centre. And I did actually try for bounce back loan, but I got knocked back. Because of my credit rating, I can't get a loan or credit card or access to overdraft or anything like that. Unable to access emergency loans or government support, Lowry is now dependent on food banks. Mum, Dad and I have always, always helped charities. We've fundraised, we've given to charity, we've never taken. So for me, it was a huge, huge thing going to the food bank. Say your child just wants an ice cream or some random thing for a pound and you can't do it. It absolutely rips you up inside. Obviously, being through a financial situation like that, where you've lost a business, nearly lost a home, that has had a huge toll 
on your mental health? There were days I, I literally could have gone to bed and not woken up ever again because I was absolutely petrified. At the moment, there are all these people who every day are waking up and seeing a zero bank balance. They have nothing coming in and they're frightened and they don't know where to turn. But a lot of people are proud, so they won't tell their friends and family how badly they're struggling. We're all trying to support each other from a mental health point of view, just to keep people upright. Lowry would like the podcast experts to highlight where businesses struggling to keep afloat can turn to for help. This is what you need to do, and this is where you need to go, and this is who you need to speak to. And people need that. People need to know that there is someone they can talk to. Now, Lowry is far from being alone in calling for more support for company directors. I spoke to Rebecca Seeley Harris, a lawyer and former senior government advisor who has been at the heart of the campaign to change the rules of coronavirus grants to include, not exclude, small business owners. Rebecca, what kind of financial problems are directors who run small, limited companies currently facing? What I'm hearing is for those that have been adversely affected, there's a toss-up between paying the company bills and starving, basically, which is not something I would have hoped would have happened in somewhere like the UK. And Rebecca, what do you think will happen if the government and the Treasury don't provide any further support to these groups? I mean, obviously, there are going to be people who just literally run out of money. Then what happens? The knock-on effect will be things like the small business can't pay its invoices to other small businesses, then they suffer. Probably things like corporation tax and VAT. I expect they've already spent it and they won't be able to pay that. They won't be able to pay back the the bounce back loans. You know, the, the repercussions are endless, not to mention the support that the government's going to have to give to the person when they're in dire straits. And well, I think the other thing that you have to consider is that these small companies employ an awful lot of people. I think it's seven and a half million. So if those staff have been on furlough, you're talking about the wasted money of the furlough. So if the company doesn't get the support, then all these staff haven't got a business to return to. All that money's been wasted. So it doesn't make sense to me. Why not pay a grant now to keep the business going rather than having to pay more later? Rebecca has experience of writing government policy. And under lockdown, she's come up with tweaks to the current system that would provide grants of up to £7,500 to directors, as well as other self-employed people who have been excluded. She's presented her proposals to the Treasury and they've been backed by 262 members of Parliament from across the political spectrum. The MPs have been incredible, actually, so there has been a huge amount of cross-party support. What we do know is that um, that the Treasury have looked at the policy and are still looking at the policy, so we're hopeful on that. Why do you think the MPs get it, but the Treasury, from their lack of response so far possibly don't? Um, I think it's the reality of the situation. The MPs would be hearing it from their constituents, how bad it is, and, you know, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. A Treasury spokesperson confirmed the proposals were under consideration. Treasury ministers have said repeatedly that in principle they would like to extend support to those who have missed out during the coronavirus crisis, but they point out that it's very difficult to draw up a workable scheme that captures the right people without running high risks of fraudulent claims. Here's Rebecca again. 
we're not talking about just giving a grant to a company to give it a leg up. We're talking about human beings here. If they don't get support, there's so many repercussions, not just the company, the person, the mental health. It's just, I just cannot understand why the government isn't moving on this. Millions of excluded business owners like Lowry will be hoping that more government support could be forthcoming. But what else could they do? Some local councils have started offering grants to small businesses who have been excluded from other forms of support. You could write to your local MP or join an online campaign group like Excluded UK or Forgotten Limited. Both provide lots of support and practical advice. In the show notes for this episode, there's a link to a UK benefits calculator to easily check if you're entitled to any help through the welfare system. And we've provided the contact details of the Business Deadline Charity, a free UK source of debt advice and information for company owners. Free debt advice is a good place for business owners to start, but professional advice may well be the next step, from your accountant, solicitor, or even an insolvency practitioner. Peter Sargent has been in the trade for over 40 years, helping thousands of directors to restructure their debts and rise from the ashes, or liquidate their businesses. Can you give us a sense of how many small businesses are basically teetering on the brink right now because of their debts? Oh, gosh. Well, the COVID crisis uh, could cause a wave of company failures, quite frankly, worse than the miners' strike of the 1980s or its after effects, and the financial crisis of 2008. There are literally tens of thousands of small business, especially, which are hanging on by their fingernails. And this is especially in the hospitality and retail sector. So it's a huge knock-on effect. For example, those industries which provide the staging and the lighting and all those sorts of things which make an event happen are on reduced hours or have laid people off or made them redundant. Unfortunately, with plenty of financial pinch points coming up for small businesses, there's not much light on the horizon right now. That's right. Many small firms have already spent the money which they've normally saved up for the tax just to survive. Later in the spring, the furlough scheme at present is due to come to an end. And of course, people have got to think about starting to repay these uh, bounce back loans and all the other kind of COVID support which has been provided. And if something else isn't put in place to help these businesses, there could be an absolute tsunami of failure in the future. But when is the right time to seek help from an insolvency specialist? They should come when they feel their company is running out of resources and they don't know which way to turn. The directors have got to decide what to do. And we as insolvency practitioners can advise them on a way forward. We pick up the beating heart of the business and we look at it. And we think, can this survive? You know, can we take this beating heart and transplant it out of this business into a new business or a new company and give it a fresh start? Or being blunt about it, if the business has got no future, it may mean just closing it down and, quite frankly, putting it into liquidation. As Lowry found, involving a professional can make the route out of financial collapse much smoother than trying to manage a loan. When a company is in financial difficulties, the relationship between the owners of the business, directors, and their suppliers, and even the customers, often breaks down and it becomes very fractious. The insolvency practitioner comes in like the referee 
and breaks the parties up, stops them arguing. The Insolvency Practitioner, through the insolvency legislation, provides a shield behind which the directors can decide what they're going to do with that company. It can be very emotionally distressing for the directors, especially when creditors start ringing up and threatening them. So we provide that barrier. Like any professional advisor, insolvency experts will charge a fee, and you need to understand exactly what you're paying for. Peter recommends using companies who are members of the two main professional bodies, R3 or the Insolvency Service. You can find links to both of those websites in the show notes. But be very careful when you do use the internet, because if you put in insolvency, there are all sorts of websites out there which will encourage you to to go to them and may offer something which sounds too good to be true, and it probably is too good to be true. Once you've found an advisor, Peter stresses, you must tell them everything about the difficulties your business is facing. So when you go see an insolvency practitioner, you must be very honest and very open with them and tell them exactly what's gone on. Don't try and hide anything because the insolvency practitioner will find out. Well, let's move on to personal guarantees. Now, Lowry and her ex-partner had personal guarantees on some of their business debts. Now, Peter, how common is that? And what kind of extra problems does it cause? Personal guarantees are very common, especially with SMEs and especially when businesses are starting up. Banks in particular will want a personal guarantee from the directors because of the risk involved in starting a new business. And these personal guarantees can be secured on your domestic property. This puts owners in a very vulnerable position if their business is facing financial collapse, as so many are during the pandemic. So not only has the director lost the business, they have lost their income, they're also probably facing claims for personal guarantee. They could very easily lose the house. So it's very important when you do sign a personal guarantee, you understand exactly what you're signing. And your spouse or anybody else who's involved in your life knows that you've signed that guarantee because it could have a huge impact on them. If you have signed a personal guarantee, is there anything that an insolvency practitioner can do to try and help you stop losing your home? Often or not, you also need to get a solicitor involved, someone who's experienced in insolvency matters. Even if those guarantees stick, let's put it that way, then all is not lost. You probably could come to a, an arrangement with those creditors to repay them over a period of time. Because there's no point, quite frankly, making somebody bankrupt if you're not going to get paid. It's much better for everybody to accept an offer and so allow people to move forward with their lives. As the experts say, time is of the essence when it comes to resolving debt problems. The earlier you seek help, the more options you might have although business owners shouldn't rush the process of choosing the right advisor. As company directors await news of the political campaign to plug the gaps in support, I caught up with Lowry for her views on what the experts had to say. It's really, really good to hear their viewpoints on it. Um, Just the fact that, you know, another person is going to government and fighting our corner at the moment. Mm. um, It is incredible. And 
you know, as has been mentioned, you're not just dealing with businesses here, you're dealing with human beings. And the way you nurture a child in, in often many cases, um, you wake up thinking about your business, you go to bed thinking about your business. So it's there all the time. And when you lose it, it's like a huge bereavement. It's your identity, your income. And for a lot of people as well, they've put their their efforts in for such a long time. What else do they go to? Where else do they get money for? We all know at the moment there aren't the jobs out there that can pay all the bills. We, we know that. So it's, it's just incredibly, incredibly frightening. So Peter Sargent, the insolvency expert, what did you think of the things that he had to say about how professionals can work with indebted companies? Does that resonate with your experience? I loved hearing Peter describe the fact that they're in the position where, say, for example, somebody approached them and they might think they're in a little bit of trouble and can it be saved? I would have loved dearly to have been in that position in hindsight to say that perhaps something could have been saved or I could have sold it to somebody I knew that would have taken it on board and maybe I'd have still had a job and access to the equipment. You know, for somebody to actually come to you and say, look, you know, you're not making money, it's not going to make any, it's not going to last it, this, that and the other. When it's somebody you trust in an insolvency practitioner, you can actually look at it in a different view then and, and think, you know, maybe it's time to give up or yeah, I'll fight for it. And people need that choice. People need to know that the advice is there, they can get help, and they have an option. And finally, I want to ask you, you've been very brave coming on Money Clinic to share your experiences as a business owner. What would be your message, Lowry, to other small business people like you out there who are going through similar experiences? Talk to people. You know, I put myself out there on a few points and said, look, you know, I don't mind talking to anybody. I mean, obviously, I've got to look after my own mental health, but just talk to somebody. Don't sit there hiding behind all these platforms. Get your story out there. Tell people, your friends, your family, exactly what's going on. That's it for Money Clinic with me, Claire Barrett, this week, and we hope you like what you've heard. If you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show and get some expert thoughts on a money issue that's bugging you, then email me. Our address is money at ft.com. Do have a look at the show notes for this episode. They're packed with links to articles about the campaign to help the excluded and free resources like support groups and business deadline that can help small business owners work out their next move, plus information about finding an insolvency practitioner. You could also take a peek at our website, ft.com slash money, grab a copy of the FT Weekend newspaper, or follow me on Instagram, at Claire B. Money Clinic was produced in London by Persis Love and Josh de la Mare. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner, and our editor is Amy Keane. And the original music is by Metaphor Music. And finally, just so you know, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's the small print over and done with. See you back here next week. Goodbye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.